0: Welcome to episode three of Better With Paul. Now, today's episode is incredibly special because I've never in my entire career, and this is 15 years of interviewing people all around the world, I've never held someone with this much anticipation to interview than today's guest. Now, today's guest is someone who I consider to be not only a thought leader, but one of the most influential people living. Now, let me tell you why. Today's guest, his name is Neville Garrick. And he, among many things, is an artist. He's a creator. According to his own words, he's a communicator. But he also happened to be not only the art director, but very close friend and confidant of Bob Marley. Now, we can all agree that Bob Marley, through his imagery, through his music, through all things Bob Marley, has influenced and shaped the world. It just so happens that some of those ideas, some of that messaging, some of that branding, well, it came from Neville Garrick. It is with profound gratitude that I was able to spend just some time with a person that I consider to be such an important part of this world's history. Now, before you hear Neville's story from his own lips, and by the way, He also had a lot of herb between the lips. So you can see this is going to be one of those amazing conversations because anybody who's smoking herb throughout the entire conversation is only going to give you greatness. I want you to hit pause and go to paulcbrunson.com backslash better. That's B-E-T-T-E-R. Make sure you join the newsletter so you can get my takeaways and lessons from each episode. Now, are you ready to hear about the amazing life. And I'm telling you, you will pull many lessons from his life that will change your life. Are you ready to hear this? Well, up next is the story of Neville Garrick.
1: Yeah. So
0: I believe you are one of the most influential people living. And, and I'm going to tell you why. I know it's heavy. I know this is heavy. Unarguably, Bob Marley's brand is one of the most influential brands ever. From the music, to the message, to the imagery. Right, What he communicated, hands down, is one of the most influential ever. And when I look at his story, I see your imprint on it all, and I see how you influenced Bob Marley. And as a result, I I have to say undoubtedly that you are, if, if, if he is one of the most influential people to ever, his brand is, should I say, if his brand is one of the most influential ever, you must by default be one of the most influential people living. I mean, how do you respond to that? Well,
1: it's funny. My fame to claim is probably Bob Marley, although, you know, I I say I'm a communicator and artist. In fact, one of my friends here in L.A., he always introduced me as Bob Marley, which I always laugh because that's my mentor and that's who I talk about all the time because that's the whole thing with dying. When they stop talking about you, you are dead. Mm. so bob is very much alive yes bob has been yeah probably one of the most influential uh i wouldn't even say black or white man man in the world especially when you look at his music now because his music is so suited for this plague or pandemic or whatever they called it you know first i always like to quote his lyrics you know i said yeah. bob is my fame to fame he wrote a song in about nineteen what seventy five, seventy six. Natural Mystic.
0: Oh my God! Natural Mystic is my favorite song. Right. Yes, he said. Song.
1: Okay, so listen to the words. He says, "There's a natural mystic blowing through the air. Yeah. Yes. If you listen carefully, you will hear. This may be the first trumpet." Might as well be the last. last. Many more will have to suffer. Many more will have to die. Don't ask me why. Things are not the way they used to be. Don't tell no lie. There's a natural mistake. I say a natural mistake blowing through here.
0: Yes. And I know that Bob Marley was a dear friend, so you respect the friendship. Yeah, man. But my second mentor. Your second mentor. But your influence. I really want to talk about that. I mean, how about this? Can we go back? Let's go back to UCLA. Mm -hmm. Because I think you being in UCLA is the seed to the Bob Marley influence. And what I mean by that is you were in UCLA in what? The 70s, late 60s, early 70s.
1: Yes, right. Right in what's kind of going on now on a a
0: smaller scale. Yes, this was the beginning of the Black Power movement. And you were in the middle of it.
1: I was aware of the civil rights movement before coming to America in nineteen sixty-eight. My first trip to America was in nineteen sixty-six okay. when I came that summer. Wow. But that was more music because that's when Motown broke out.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: Okay. Sounds of Young America, not Sounds of Black America, or Sounds of Young America. That's how Big Guard he was, right? And so I was more like, temptations guy four tops into music still kind of not really getting that serious in the head about blackness but still learning because i was searching for that now comes 1968 i graduated from high school and got a chance to come to america to go to school but i came on twofolds. i came to go to school and i came to join the revolution I came to join and I'm still a revolutionary. Well I, I, but I needed to activate that part till I got to to California. I went to UCLA and met Angela Davis and did the Black Experience mural, which is still there today in nineteen
0: seventy. See, I, I didn't realize that was your intent, that was part of your intention to come. So did you specifically pick UCLA because it was at the center no, of the Black? No. no, no. Okay. I
1: came California, really, to come see my girl,
0: my high school girl. <laughs> okay, that's honesty. So,
1: yeah, so and, and we're still together now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I came to visit and I had experienced 1968 winter in New York, which was one of the worst winters. And you must remember, 68 is the year that um, Martin Luther King was killed uh robert kennedy was killed so i came like in the middle of the revolution seriously i remember there were riots and stuff before so anyway after my poor winter in new york never really loved new york it was great because it was still like i'm in jamaica with a lot of jamaicans and stuff Jamaican parties but i didn't really want to be a jamaican <laughs> i wanted to be part of the black revolution I didn't come to America to eat and saltfish. Right. right? So the thing is, it was difficult though to get involved with the Black Revolution because it was always seemed like they thought that West Indians, which is a norm I don't like to use, was different from them. And we were kind of seen as thorns because we were successful and stuff. And I had to explain over and over again, because education is the key to liberation. An immigrant has a whole different outlook from somebody that's born in America. True. An immigrant comes to America to either go to school or to improve his wealth. Right? Because we were told the streets are aligned with gold. I looked for it when I first came to New York in 66. New York was like a dirty city, I didn't feel gold. <laughs> but gold was the opportunity. That's the gold they we're talking about, the right. opportunity. If you, you know, as they say, the American
0: dream, so to speak. So then this is, I, I had no idea that you had intentionally come to the US, right? To be part of the revolution, because obviously right, you had a girlfriend here. Yeah. But then why did you then leave UCLA and return back to Jamaica instead of staying in the U.S.?
1: Okay, that's that's a very good one. You know, no one has ever asked me that. <laughs> I was missing Jamaica. So I wanted to go back to Jamaica, and I was recruited by this new newspaper that was going to open called the Jamaica Daily News. Okay. And they had wanted me to become the director. The editorial artistic director, that's a lot of <laughs> like that. And they got me to come to Jamaica on a concept that the people need a choice. Because Jamaica only had one newspaper for over 150 years called the Gleaner. So people believed the Gleaner was like the Bible. You could win a bet. with It's in the Gleaner.
0: Ah, uh, so that's what got oh, you back to Jamaica.
1: That's what got me back. Plus, there was a change in the government.
0: You, you, you know, I read, uh, uh, who was it? It was James, uh, uh, History of a Seven Killings. Is is that?
1: Oh, 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 that's interesting. You know, I bought that book years ago, but it's 600 pages. <laughs> and the only book I ever read that long is the Bible. No,
0: I ain't really read it. I, well, i tell you what. You don't have to read it because I think you lived it. H- hear
1: it this way. All right. I'm coming from UCLA, known as a black power right? I was an official sign member of the Black Panther Party, but I definitely supported it in many ways and got in a lot of problems with the police for having bumper stickers like, support your local Black Panther Party. I'm not like, I took those kind of risks. And I go back because Angela Davis, my first mentor, is the one who led me to where I am now and we hooked up maybe what but five years ago or four years ago after that period she knew about my militancy she was my professor and i think i was in love with her really but uh she was about four years older than me so <laughs> that's I, not I that's
0: not that's not too old though. I'm four years
1: that's- yeah what 20 in school yeah. you know what i mean uh so uh you know so it was more platonic that okay. way. but yeah we were very close and she knew e. i was want to be you know panther and such She said she so sit me down one day in the office in fact she used to smoke these french cigar- cigarettes called good i think it has like a viking on the front some blue package man that was strongest guy. There. <laughs> it, it made camel look like a joke with no filter I think she picked that up when she was going to school in France, so, so she said to me, Neville, that's not for you, because if you get arrested, you ain't got no constitutional rights, or they just put your ass on a plane and you're back to Jamaica. You're a revolutionary artist. Your gun
0: is your paintbrush
1: and your paint.
0: Mm. But but this makes sense why she wouldn't want why Angela Davis wouldn't want you to be to be a part of the Panthers. Because you're right, you yeah. would just be pushed out. So yeah. she really put that in your mind that you're a yeah. revolutionary with a brush, with a paintbrush. Yeah. Yeah. So so then when you're then considering to be a part of Bob Marley's revolution, were you I mean, were you already thinking, okay, I'm gonna or what were you thinking? Were you gonna paint for him, create from him? What
1: the whole thing was just Bob Marley, it was Rastafari. The don't want to miss. That's what pulled me. But he was like the captain. That's why we call him
0: Skipper. So I think clearly the next big move in your career was then being hired by Bob Marley. So I wasn't i wasn't hired by Bob Marley. Oh, you weren't hired? I never
1: hired. <laughs> they can't carry no paychecks. <laughs> I created my own job basically for free. So h- how? Listen, listen. Remember, I went to UCLA. Marvin Gaye was God. Yes. What's going on? I mean, that played right through. Now, all the greats have come to Jamaica, from Sam Cooke to uh, Fats Domino, James Brown, Chuck Jackson. So that was a big occasion because the local artists would get to open for them. Okay. So that would be the biggest crowd they would perform to as an opening well, it. They had this thing called the Trenchtown Benefit Concert to to build a sports complex in Trenchtown, and Marvin Gaye was coming down to headline the show with the Whalers at the opening act. Well, my man, that's the first time I ever photographed Bob. I'd seen them as a kid. They blew Marvin Gaye off the stage.
0: Did they? <laughs> they
1: that's when I knew where I was going. Mm. In fact. There was a press party where Marvin Gaye kind of got upset with me. Yeah, I didn't know Marvin from now, my, my, my hero, because all I did the newspaper spread was, I had a both big picture of Marvin Gaye and a big picture of like Bob and the Whalers, but I had a picture of the crowd looking up <laughs> Bob. <laughs> well, that's that's why he got upset. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I didn't think an artist would care about stuff like that. Oh. And is it because he's a local guy? I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, I love, but I love you, Marvin. So anyway. so,
0: so you know, Mr. Mr. Garrick, if I could ask you this, because that was a pivotal moment. You said at that moment, you saw Bob Marley on stage, you saw the reaction, and you yeah. said, I want to be a part of this.
1: I just wanted to be like a part of this thing that I see is going somewhere to preach this message of one love and black redemption to the world. Wow. So I never, so an art director at that time was never, people didn't know what that meant, art director. because basically a musician or an artist who just made the music, give it to the producer and that's it, they ain't got nothing to say about it anymore. They package it all, they want it and stuff like that. So this, I was creating a whole new concept Lighting director, what's that? People, they do lights, you know what I mean? So backdrops, what's that? (laughs) I pioneered all those things. So you did a concept that when I listened to this music and see the drawing, I read the the reviews of the first kind of tours, and it still is today 75% of the audience was white college kids. So I didn't want them to lose the message just going for the beat. Right. So that's why we had to introduce Marcus Garvey as a big backdrops. So all those were like my concepts of like taking art to the people and the record shops became my gallery because I don't believe in gallery, I'm a muralist.
0: Yes, so we said, we've already established that you started introducing education by stealth at these at these concerts.
1: Yeah, because my my terminology, I don't have ever, anyone I've ever used it before. I didn't see it nowhere. Is education is the key to liberation. Mm. That's why never is who he is today. So so you this is,
0: this this is exactly <laughs> what my earlier point was. Why I believe you're the most one of the most influential people living because you introduced these concepts. For example, let's just talk about Marcus Garvey, for example. You introduce Marcus Garvey backdrops mm-hmm. in a concert that is filled up by white youth, right? Yeah. So you're that's you're educating by stealth. You're educating by stealth. <laughs> I like that. I like that. The fact that Angela Davis was your your teacher that's that's enough. That's as black yes. as it gets, right there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. as black as it gets. So so then I think you're about to come back and agree with me on this point yeah. of. So you had all of this awareness around black power, black liberation. Yeah. And, and So I'm assuming you helped introduce that to Bob Marley.
1: I wouldn't say introduce him, but probably made him more aware. You know, one of the fun things he always said to me, boy, one thing you have over me, you know, when you have over me like, you know what that means?
0: Just one thing, what better? You, one thing?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. you didn't know Angela Davis. Camarillo, <laughs> <her>, you know. <laughs> so i think any influence i had in that capacity is that i'm always reading the newspaper and stuff is it made him start to read before bob used to read just like the bible and stuff so it made him more worldly and made him know that his message wasn't just for jamaica mm. so maybe i helped the guy to borrow some of the books and stuff and, you know got like uh So I think maybe in that education way where it expanded it from beyond Jamaica. So maybe I helped a little bit.
0: A little bit. So we've talked about the stage design. You've helped to influence in terms of his awareness around reading about Black power. Yeah. But let's talk about the imagery.
1: So I had an exhibition called Taking Art to the People on the fence of my previous employers, the Jamaica Daily. So instead of a gallery, I put all my paintings on the fence. Because they had a long fence that was right near a bus stop. So it was called taking art to the people. So people just walk by and see. I didn't sell nothing, but that's okay. And then I had done the Garvey backdrop. And it's a long story with the Garvey backdrop, because that wasn't really done for Bob originally. And then burlap, which we call crocus bag, they had a factory in Jamaica that was making different grades of burlap. And I just said, you know, burlap, wow. Maybe I could paint on that. Well, I chose the most difficult medium in the world to paint on, because that is like painting on a mesh.
0: You, you know, what's interesting. When I think about, uh, what was it, Rastaman Vibrations, that was on burlap, it looked like it was on burlap too.
1: Yeah, but that came after. Right, because so now I started to use burlap. Because when I had my exhibition of thirty-nine paintings, maybe about ten of them were on burlap. Okay. And I'm still trying to trace who eventually bought them because they eventually kind of went. In fact, one time I took them off the canvas, rolled them up, and brought them to America, and they just flew off.
0: So that's part of it too, because people were buying the art. So. I was in Jamaica, though. Okay. Okay.
1: No more in Jamaica. I was a shoe. I didn't sell nothing couple of my friends bought like one of Miles Davis and one I did of uh, oh my goodness my brain is getting old I'm gonna be 70 this month so, so yeah. yeah what what's the name of uh sister so Billy Holiday Billy Holiday. with holiday in her hair yes yeah I did like her and I did I did John Coltrane and stuff one guy bought bought Coltrane and uh
0: so how were you i mean how were you because i know it's jamaica so the cost of living is different than if you were living in new york but i'm yeah. just trying to understand it feel because it, it what what it feels like is you really liked bob marley's movement you liked the rasta movement you then started yeah. supporting and then yeah. you slowly as you supported you slowly kind of just began to live, like you, you just almost, jo- you joined a family. Like you you picked a family and then you became yeah. a family member. And it wasn't about yeah. compensation. It was simply about, they had a platform that you believed in and you wanted to, to support. It was, that was it.
1: That was exactly right. All right,
0: pardon the interruption guys. I just want to spend a moment to thank Switch and Board It's a podcast studio in Washington, D.C., owned by a good friend of mine. And if you like the production quality of this podcast, if you like this track as much as I do, which I love it, it's all thanks to them. Now. Switching Board specializes in podcasters like me and you who are busy. We travel a lot because not only have they mastered in-studio production, guess what? They've mastered remote podcasting production. That's right. So you could be anywhere in the world and Switching Board has you covered. Now, if you want to learn more from and Board, I want you to go to com backslash studio. That's S-T-U-D-I-O. And let me put you on. And now back to the show. So that, that brings up another question. Okay. So you are a part of this organ. I, I don't know what even to call it. I mean, was it Bob a Marley? Movement. movement Is that movement. movement? Okay. You, so, you, you, so you're a part of this movement, right? Now, yeah. I've heard you talk in the past about Bob Marley not trusting a lot of people and having mm-hmm. to constantly earn his trust. How, mm-hmm. how did you do that? Because I can understand why he doesn't trust a lot of people because, you know, it, it's, I would imagine as he becomes more popular, he becomes more polarizing. So so how did you continue to earn his trust?
1: Well, after that attempted assassination, it's me, Marx, and he escaped with him. nobody else. Oh my God, you were there at the, uh, at the home?
0: That night, no, no, I just left. Okay, I
1: just we in his car.
0: Can you, for for everyone who's who's listening, watch because yeah. this is something that not very many people know. So could could you just walk us back to to that night because I know. Well, I mean, I know the story, but I don't know like you.
1: It's my third I'm going say you know I could be very brief with it because a long story, and then you know in my book. Eventually, I give all the details, but basically, this was for the Smile Jamaica concert, and this was a concert was bob concept. I believe came from when, uh we did this Dream concert with Stevie Wonder, 'cause Bob and Stevie Wonder is a big mutual love club. If anybody knows that, right? And Stevie Wonder gave like I think half of his money to the blind school in Jamaica. As a donation and it moved Bob. So later on the next years after the successful Rastaman vibration to tour because Jamaica hadn't seen us since that Marvin issue. Bob said, Boy, I'm going to a free concert. Now, to give a free concert, you have to contact the government, you set up. You understand? Okay. So he made contact with the Prime Minister, Michael Manny, and Michael Manny said, Oh, let's do it on Jamaica House grounds. That's like doing at the White House. And Bob said, No, no, no. That's too political. Let's do it somewhere where everybody have access. Everybody will come because it's Jamaica House where the people who is labor right, they're not going to come. So National Heroes Park, a place used to call Race Coast, called the Museum of Race House there back in the day. That's where Marcus Garvey is buried. So they decided, on that, and plus it sits in the middle of two communities uh Fletcher's Landing on one side, and like Central kings, and one is pm and one is j p okay, so it's neutral the, yeah, so and it's it's like Central Park sitting in the middle there. We decide to do it there, so we rehearsed, you know, and for a while. And then maybe a week or so before the concert, the Prime Minister announced that because there was political strife and thing going on. That's why Bobby
0: made that song Smile Jamaica. But so even going into that concert, was he was he did he feel as if he was under threat? Did he feel as if his yeah, life was- Well not while we were rehearsing and stuff, because we had
1: just built fix up hope road and would change the rehearsal room where some of my first shots came from which was a little underground place where uh the people who used to do the manual work gardening and you know made and thing used to live i would uh, a little studio there where it into the big house you know, So so just move it there and plus, i think one of the nights mike and Manley and beverly man came and like watched some of the rehearsals Right. And uh, they had two guys, or what were the equivalent to the Secret Service okay. uh, here? They called them the Protective Service. They work for the for the Prime Minister, right? Two of them, and they used to come every night and just hang around. Real The night when they came to shoot up the place, they weren't there. Mm. That's a big question mark for me. Anyway. Michael Manley announced a snap election that would take maybe two weeks or 14 years after the concert. So it
0: starts to be seen now as political. Exactly. And just so for everyone listening and watching, so he almost, Michael Manley positioned it so that it looked like Bob Marley's concert was in support of Michael Manley's reelection. Exactly. Because everybody wanted Bob's support. God, Bob. Bobby is, is not a national
1: hero. Bob is a folk hero. Bob would never want to be a national hero because national heroes created by government. Folk heroes are created by the people. Bob is a people So, anyway, certain people were skeptical about what through. We kind of know Jamaica's fear and the politics and all that. that. The morning... On December third, nineteen seventy six, after we came from Bull Bay, jogging and running, cause we always get fit when we're going to show. Right? Bobby's a fit man, the man is love that. Right? So anyway. We come back. Uh I think I got arrested that same day too, for Herb, which I talked more in the whole Yeah. Bob said, never guarantee go on like you love her more than everybody else. <laughs> in fact, them had that section in the Bob Marley play that was in Boston.
0: <laughs> you know what's interesting? I was gonna say, I believe you love Herb more than anyone I've ever talked to before, ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's what him said to me. So.
1: I tried to get out it. and I said, Diane, I'm on kind of Bob and dancing in ocean of Peel, well and So I had to carry it And at the gate was sticker, one of them brethren, the rescue from the ghetto who with young youth, about 17, 18. Siko asked me, Where are going? I'm going to tell you, and say, If I can't come with you. So I'm going to say, oh, Okay, Siko. because I didn't mind the company. I so was going like well, about 20 mile drive. But according to Bob, later, I take with the gate man. But the gate man would have been dead anyway. He couldn't stop what was coming. So anyway, halfway through the journey, come on the radio, there's been a shooting at 56
0: road. Bob Marley's been taken. I, mean, I don't know what to do. But but now, okay, so mm. in this story, mm. you've now, you, you picked up the person, he was the guard at the gate
1: yeah yeah so we leave and so we come back and when i come back it's like blood everywhere and where i left babka i left him with a grape two grapefruit juggling and i see one cutting off with blood and start here with the whole dramas and police as a man who kind of live there then they do have me kind of stay because neighbors come over it crowded everything and but me well one no one so me just sneak out and just drive, go up to the hospital. I think when I reach and I saw them wheeling Dan Taylor past the manager car. He got shot as well. He was shot. Bob, yeah, Bob was cornered in a spot where a boy is on. God could save him. But true, me I dreamed the night before. It would save him. Man, Bob is Joseph. Him is a dreamer. He dream all kinds of things. If you have to have vision that, you know, when you do have vision, then you perish.
0: Just so I know, so the so the manager was was got, was got hit. Bob, was was he shot as well or no?
1: Yeah, Bob was shot. He was so what um, was shot is that the guy who was shooting at Bob, he didn't, like there was a step, a step maybe three step, concrete step, to come into that little kitchen. Uh, Bob is in the kitchen where he only had maybe a foot and a foot and a half on each side there. can't. Nowhere to run. Nowhere to run. But the guy just stand up from down below and push the gun to one fire. Okay. And Don Taylor, the manager, happened to just walk right in front of them, because he got shot in his groin. Okay. So he can't take The shot is going up there. Then one of the shots grazed off Bob's chest. Mm. And one was larger, I think. God, I always make a mistake whether it's this or arm.
0: Mm.
1: Because the bullet holes and stuff is still at the music.
0: I've seen the, I've seen the bullet holes. I've seen them. Okay,
1: yeah. So, but, but about this vision that, it did hear that kind of gunfire before, like a war, but it did just dismiss it as firecrackers.
0: Mm. But then. He Bob literally left the hospital within 24 hours and then did the concert. So then, right after that concert, so he did the concert. Then you all left, right?
1: So we go back to Strawberry in the night and about two-thirds in the morning we came. And she said, "Bob leaving." Him. She said, "Yeah, I didn't want I'm going
0: to so, the You went to?
1: He want me to accompany. Him. To go? With him wherever.
0: Oh, oh, okay. He just was going, he just said, I need to leave Jamaica. You didn't know? Well, it,
1: it was set up. Yeah. Okay. It was set up.
0: Okay. Uh, it
1: was set up by Chris Blackbird. Okay. Because they had a private jet with me. Just to so, go. So, yeah. So I never hesitated. That's how I love him. And that's how him trusts me. Because I'm going with a man who got a target on his back.
0: Yes. Was it just you? It was just you, Bob, and who? And he... Brought- and the two pilots. That was it. That that, that left yeah. Jamaica.
1: Yeah. Went to Nassau, arrived there about seven in the morning and, and then look at Bob and asked him. But anyway, what, what had happened. Is he seeking political asylum? Bob said no man we're tourists. <laughs> <laughs> That's we're, what... coming, we're coming to stop uh, Chris Blackwell place called Sea Pussy, you know where it is. <laughs> So anyway, them let us go, but about an hour later, them immigration and came for us and took us back to the airport and questioned us for both
0: Okay, towards the end of Bob's life, yes. how were you able to continue to create because you're witnessing both one of your best friends as well as your mentor passing away?
1: Well, I didn't continue to create during that time inside that when when Bob was ill. And I went to. Uh, Germany for his 36th birthday, along with some other members of the Wheelers. That's the last time I physically saw it. So I really wasn't working on anything except that he reminded me of a conversation. I'm kind of talking about the next album. And he said, if we start work on the album, cover it. So I say, we never really have a title. And he said, yeah, I remember the title in New York. That's where they must getting tested at Snow Catering.
0: We had a meeting. Me and him the next album cover name, Confrontation. When Bob had asked you to work on the last cover, yeah, was he thinking that he would be alive to to work on that album, or was he asking you to work on a cover knowing that he wouldn't, he would no longer be alive?
1: No, I thought he, he more was positive, was looking to come in back on the road and tour.
0: Okay. okay. Yeah, I don't think him.
1: Bob, uh, Bob never gave up. I think that's why Bob never wrote a will. Time when I did give up to write a will, instead I'm leave it open so everybody show them hand. It was that type of person. Oh. <laughs> Come to the whole trust thing, again. Yeah. Who really love him or who didn't have for the money or who and who quarrel and re re. Me just glad to me that the privilege to participate in this whole movement. And as I said, nobody never hired me. I just saw how I could help it on the visual aspect. So that's why I consider
0: myself a pioneer in all these things. So this is why I believe you are one of the most influential people. Come on, Neville, own it. You have to own this. You, you, there's no way, no one could argue against it.
1: Well, I think we were meant for each other. In that way, because like, I can't tell no, there are the 12 tribes of Israel, Bob is Joseph and I'm Judah. And Judah is the one who did save Joseph, because he went kill Joseph. And Judah said, no, I could just put him in a pit and then blood up him garments and go back and tell father, I say, boy, lion and kill him, him. And then Joseph ended up being the governor of <laughs> Egypt. They all you working. And Joseph was a dreamer, visionary. Bob is a visionary. Bob, Bob, we're ahead of him time. Yeah. You know, come back to this whole pandemic, which other artists you can name, who you can find at least 15 songs, which dealing with so much trouble in the world. You don't want no more trouble. Get up, stand up, stand up for your life. Now, I mean, I can just go on and on. So what I do sometimes, I just pick out some lyrics, not saying is no profit or not. I never did see him as no profit. It was just my big brother, my brethren. No bow down to Bobby and, he, you know, and like, the <laughs> only could jealousy I think he wish him be as tall as me. And I just <laughs> said, to him, What's <laughs> no, because most Marcus Gabby was short too. And that's probably why they become great leaders. Because it's like them feeling enough to make up for that. Deficiency that so word. So I call it a Napoleon complex, although I'm not love Napoleon, oh, yeah. but you understand what
0: I'm so saying. Neville. This is what I think is so powerful about Bob Marley's brand. I don't think most people know how tall or short he was. So he he, he how how tall was he?
1: About mm, a stretch five eight. Oh stretch five but, Yeah, but guess how we do it Bob was always wiry. And how I set the stage, I set the stage as a pyramid. Bob is at the apex and everything go back like that. I remember the shooting from below. Yes. So he always appeared. They used to take pictures of me coming off the bus first and I'm saying, no, it's not Bob, it's not Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for this tall person. And then Bob kind of come out So Bob was wiring and Bob Bob into fitness. That's why when Bob gets sick and all that, we can't work it out. He's a man who eat idle food indefinitely, train all the while. He is the fittest. He is the last man going to go. But I realized eventually that his work was completed and he need to write another song.
0: You've experienced so much. So, yeah. I mean, you, I think you've lived multiple lifetimes.
1: That's why Nessa convinced me to say, boy, we need to do like a book on a documentary. And I said, not about Bob, because there's 40 books on Bob. Bob will be in it on a big part and Bonnie and Peter, but it's about you.
0: Yes. And what your whole life experience. You literally, you've had multiple careers. You know, uh, you had lifetimes. You've lived many different lifetimes.
1: Yeah, no way.
0: If if you, and this is very hard to be able to do this, but... If you had to reduce down your lifetime of lessons, okay. So this yeah. is what you are, your lifetime of lessons, and you are speaking to people who are creators, and yeah. these are people who want to be able to have impact—the impact that you have had, right? What, well, what, 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 what the can story. they do? What can we do? The desire. At age
1: seven, I was drawing like from comics and tracing and stuff like that and teach artists what I do until I like to draw. So why? I, I want to become an artist. So from seven, I knew what I wanted to be. Most people in college still don't know what they want. Be, but I never got the opportunity because I was a great student, so I was in the A-stream, and A-stream don't do art. Mm-hmm. History, physics and chemistry and biology and French and Latin and all that. So I literally had to trick them to get into an art class. At my first art class, I was 14. When I entered UCLA, I entered as an economics major because there was no space in the art department. Again, I was denied. Wow. I wanted it. So I had to like eventually get in. I got to do a couple classes, but I was an art major and then I came first, so they, they had to let me in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was the only like black student really in my class. Cause when I did the mural, I think I found six black students in the entire UCLA art department, which I'd paid about three thousand
0: students. You, you know, so so on those <laughs> suggestions you, you, you yeah, got yeah
1: so you got to you got finish art. with that yeah outside of desire because desire is what when drive you because you don't guarantee to get paid just like when I did started with the wheelers I wasn't looking to get paid I was looking to contribute the pay will eventually come because of that sacrifice and true your love it now me as a concept person well you know suppose you like to do still life and you like to do flowers and all that that's cool but I want my work to have a a, a social impact. That's why I call myself a communicator. Whatever I have learned, I want to share. So one of my biggest things, I have been I procrastinate too much. That's my problem. So now that Ness says my manager, maybe I'll do some more work. One of my greatest things would would be to tour all those uh, Black colleges in the South and talk to them about pre-slave without knowledge of your past history you have no future you can't just live in the present you have to have something you can't stand the movies i want to make is like article 17 which is about the battle of other one they defeated the italians and we never live in no tree. men in the like silk tents they move a hundred thousand people over land when it but you see, my movie, I got all the of the documents. My movie going cost probably about $200 million because it's better than Braveheart.
0: Right. Right.
1: That is the movies I want to make. I want to teach them so you can be proud. You see, when well, you're proud of your heritage, and guy can't stand up on your neck. Right. You know what I mean? So that is my ambition. I'm going to be 70 this month. And to have this granddaughter now that I love so much, named Lola who I think is going to be brilliant in yeah. every way. I should have like my heritage, Malcolm X heritage in her. <laughs> She's going to be dangerous. So I'm begging God, give me 20 more years now so I can be here to watch yes. her, to
0: guide Yes.
1: Because what I realized at 70, damn, I feel like I'm just coming out of apprenticeship here.
0: Wow. At 70, you feel like you're coming out of an apprentice program. And yeah. at 70 in, you work with Bob Marley. <laughs> you're like You're just an apprentice. That's fascinating. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Never consider myself, because maybe I never master anything.
0: I cannot be convinced otherwise that I truly believe nothing, nothing just happens in this world. And I think your experiences, in particular mm-hmm. being in California, being with Angela Davis, being there yeah. at the time of the, the inception of the... Black Power Movement, coming back to Jamaica, being in love with art, being in love with history, which made you interested in the Rasta Movement, Um, Mm -hmm. Even how fascinated and connected you are with movement and message opposed to monetization and dollars. All of that allowed you to become not just part of a movement, but you became integral to a movement, and you influence that movement. Um, and for that reason, I consider you, and I will always consider you, one of the most influential people on this planet, Neville Garrick, you can't convince me otherwise.
1: Well, well if you say so, because people tell me impact, that music is kind of weird word in Jamaica, where words to me don't mean anything anymore. Like, everybody's an icon, I'm going to say to them, or a legend. I'm gonna say some all them call themselves living legend. I say, you know what those words mean. If you are an icon, then you have to be an icon kind of money or something like that to be iconic, right? Or legendary. Because legendary is that your thing was so fabulous that it became legendary. People are make up things to add to it. You understand? And I said. So don't call me no icon, never get can no legend. I said the closest I get to legend is that I was a friend of a legend, <laughs> yeah, which is normally right? As a friend, and 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 them call themselves superstar and star. And I said no man. one is not no star. Star shine all the while. One is comets, on a comet and go it. Nobody no remember one bob is a star he keeps shining in fact him star shine brighter as time goes along through the whole world love bob Malley. let's make him a national hero i say hell no maybe his kids might not agree but Bob wouldn't want to be known that it's a government business when he's a national hero and then the family would no longer own his identity he would become a public image and the government would make all the money they don't think about it mm name and likeness, because if, if you become a national hero, <laughs>
0: that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you're you know,
1: fucked. I don't feel nobody to use Marcus Garvey's image.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is true. I mean, you're, you're right. I, I never thought about that until you bringing that up today.
1: For years now, they won But I said first, I do not want to money unless although I did work with them, with the Royal Mint to do a special coin for Bob Fifty we're not a spending money, it's like a medal. I said, Bob, don't want to no money, little dirty money. Bob is the man who says on a machine that makes money, slave drive or the table is turned. Catch a fire. Mm.
0: There it goes, the yeah. lyrics. Three things that I would love for you to continue doing, mm. I would love for it, is one is to continue posting those images and yeah. give us the history behind the image. The second okay. is to continue posting lyrics but yeah. to, but to explain the lyrics because the lyrics have such deep meaning um, yeah. prophetic meaning so that's the second and then no, and then,
1: before you your whole thing with explaining the lyrics is like art you know so why i want to leave it up to you to kind of interpret i don't want to
0: interpret for you but just but just to say because for you know I mean you said a lot of things where I'll be thinking about it constantly, but we need some stories behind it. And the third is this, you know, so in my in my house in Washington, DC, yeah, I have a uh I bought so when uh Hale Selassie was on the cover of Time magazine. Yeah. He, he, so he he became, he became the first oh no, the recording. He became the first. Black person to ever be on Time Magazine. Oh, uh, really?
1: I wasn't yes. even sure about that, yeah. And, wow. and,
0: they, and they, put, they put him on Time Magazine. So I, have, I bought that original copy of Time yeah. Magazine. Yeah. And then next to it, do you know what I have next to it? What? The Kaya album cover?
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just seeing video. You're, I, no, no, no. I do. That's what I do.
0: I tell you. I greatly appreciate your time. I um I was more excited about talking to you than anyone in, in, in literally in my career. And the reason why is because I believe that oh, Neville, you still there? Oh no, oh no, the computer. Oh, this is. This is sad. Uh, now I don't know if you can hear me, but I'm I'm going to make sure that I end on this. I think you're, the computer overheated. Oh no! Well, you know what I was going to tell him. I was going to tell him that I believe thought leadership is when you have an audience of influencers. That's really what makes you a thought leader because you have ideas. The influencers get the ideas and they put it out in the world. And to me. Neville is the ultimate thought leader because he had a myriad of ideas, myriad of ideas. And one of the person that he fed those ideas to was Bob Marley. Bob Marley is hands down one of the most incredible influencers and thought leaders, but influencers that's ever lived. And so as a result of that, Bob Marley became this megaphone for Neville Garrick's ideas. And I think for that, we we have to say that not only is Neville Garrick a, a thought leader, but he is one of the most influential people living. Although he doesn't like to own that title, but I believe that's the case. Yeah. I told you, I told you, I told you. Now that was an amazing story. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how profoundly happy I am for that conversation and just to have spent that time. And I hope that you're taking away lessons and not only what Neville shared about his own life, but of course, what he shared with regard to Bob Marley's life. Now, I wanna make sure that you know what we're doing next, right? The next thing is that if you enjoyed this conversation, please make sure that you are reviewing, rating, and subscribing to the Better With Paul podcast. And also make sure that you check out our bonus episodes. The first 10 episodes are all bonus affirmations that you can use to help make your life better. Now on the next episode, I am going to give you our very first solo episode. There's a lot that I have to talk about, right? I love bringing on guests because I love to extract what they're saying. But I also like to tell you what I'm thinking. And on the next episode, I'm going on a rant about something I believe is very important. So I'll see you on the next Better with Paul. Sweet and bored.